So we're here with Craig, Luke, and Way, and um, she's catching us up a little bit on what she's been doing. But Craig was just uh, asking us some questions. So uh, do you want to restate that, Craig? So you get, get yeah. Well, questions specifically to Way, but other people as well. Uh, you know, as you've become interested in magic and in things, uh, let's say spirituality in general, that is, you know, let's say not not mainstreamly not mainstream has that affected your relationships or is it has it affected the way that you know people in your life think about you um i don't i think i think people have always um assumed i was already more witchy than i was um i was i was uh, taught by my older brother that, you know, we wear black skirts and, and combat boots and, you know, band t-shirts. And so I've been, you know, gothic looking for quite a while. So there was, there was a lot of assumptions. And um, so I dealt with actually really bizarre instances with neighbors when I was young, like spreading rumors that I was a witch and, my husband's family still, you know, to this day, blame me for everything because I wear black, right? So, and that was before I got to where I am now, where I would say I'm more authentically living what I believe than prior to finding where I am now, right? So, um, so I guess if, if anybody has changed their opinion, I'm already used to it. I'm also, I'm also always, I live in a very rural community mm. and um, I'm, I'm half Chinese. I don't quite look Caucasian. And so there is a little bit of outsiderness that always kind of exists for me. Um, and it, and my husband has realized it more now because even though, you know, he's he lives a heathen lifestyle and he has a big beard but he can put on his baseball cap and he looks like just a good old american guy right and he can get the highs how are you's and i'll get a more reserved um, reaction sometimes from the same people so in that sense too i'm kind of like i'm our, that kind of stuff just kind of i'm used to it a little bit i'm already the weirdo but you were so you were but you were it sounds like you were kind of a scapegoat or seen that way even before you were actively investigating anything that was yeah i think i think a female that looks slightly different and and doesn't conform to the norms will tend to do that and then being an artist you can always go oh well it's just because she's an artist right um so there there are a lot of things that people will choose to explain away whatever it is that makes them uncomfortable about me they can pick whatever it is and then that that's how they choose to 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 see me so um but early on i had i had brothers who uh one of my brothers had cystic fibrosis and passed away and so i dealt with um death pretty early and so to me, some of those things, I think maybe other 12 year old girls would have gone through. I was, I was not there. So um, I didn't care about certain, certain things. Um, and I, I did a lot of, um, 
grief and hospice volunteer work in my in as a teenager. And so then knowing that I was dealing with other people in grief, walking around in black clothing also became just normal garb for me. So that's, that's, um, I guess I've, I've, I, I came into those roles before I got the rest of myself there. Sure. Sometimes I regret hitting the record button. I don't want people to feel like I'm taking advantage of their their lives or anything or or making it awkward i don't know so i can i can like cut all this out or whatever i don't have to record no none of that none of that is stuff i'm ashamed to share or anything you know it's just it's part of right how we develop in this lifetime is the things we experience and so you know unfortunately the flip side of of some of that is there's a lot of family trauma and things and, and um, through finding myself and my inner strength and working some through things, I've dealt with some family trauma and I'm able to, as a, let's just say, witch, um, approach this next phase of my journey with my family stronger with more boundaries. and knowing myself better. And therefore I'm able to process and deal with the upcoming, I'm gonna be honest, crap, because there is, it's not gonna be pretty. I mean, so like, but I had to separate myself from the main person in my family, which is my mother that I have conflict with and did deep shadow work and found found the goddess and you know and then and in in a different place even from then but it's all led me there um and oddly enough but it's all through the fiber arts is how I got there so Mm. (laughs) back to yarn I was super interested in what you just said and also especially Luke your response to that because when she said she found the goddess you look like you have found the goddess as well (laughs) (laughs) Luke definitely has (laughs) What? Is that some you're familiar with that phrase? Oh man, honestly, I don't know. Uh, way I'll I'll say this: I I heard your previous conversation with Jason, and I I had heard you mention something about um that I have no idea what sort of um trauma exists in in anybody's past but i know i have my own i know everybody has their own you know and so uh and um my my sister had excommunicated my mom at some point and then only in the last year i mean and that was for a long time i mean probably five years they didn't talk with each other and then they finally started talking with each other in this in the last year, but there's nothing perfect about it, you know? And so it's, uh, it's, uh, kind of, kind of just bizarre to see them rekindle after so long, <laughs> like uh, the living different, different lives. And, um, yeah, thinking they know each other when they don't know each other and, and seeing the way that they, um, rekindle that, that relationship is just interesting but at the at the same time i i i just under i understand <laughs> uh the way that um 
being a, a, a black sheep or like, how do you, how do you resolve some of those tensions that you might, uh, that might otherwise continue to fester? Uh, and, and is it important to resolve those tensions? I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think it is, but I will say you can't expect the other party to be in the same place that you are. Yeah. And I think when you heal, you can understand that because you're finally able to stop being angry. Cause right, you've got to you've got to get to a place where you can protect yourself. Then you gotta process and acknowledge, yes, you were hurt. Yes, you were let down, right? In XYZ. And you are worth the time and energy you're putting in yourself because when you've lived in a traumatic situation long enough it's it's easy enough because especially if you've been gaslit by other people to be the one to start to think you're the problem you're the weak link you're the crazy person yeah. and um and i think when people are sensitive souls we often get caretaker roles especially in families. Yeah. Um, and so that's a role I fell into, which I, I shouldn't have. Um, and the, the stuff that was attached to that, um, I actually in my life had to go through two separate forgiveness processes for my mother. The first one as a, as a 20 year old and a young adult coming to grips with my mother is it a perfect person? And then when I had my child and became a mother and then experienced some more failings from her, I went through this other kind of fury that um, like I hadn't, I, I wouldn't have understood in my twenties mm -hmm. because I was in, I'm, I'm in that mother phase. Right. And so now um, I'm, I'm, you know, starting to be perimenopausal and, and, and I'm, you know, starting to go tell my husband in 10 years, I'm officially old. This is all shut down. Right. Like, so there's this new place where, you know, you start to acknowledge we're all going to make mistakes. And so now as a mother, I say, I know I'm going to do something that's gonna affect my son. I just hope that when we balance all my mistakes out, we still are heavier on. My mom was, was, was mostly good, right? She mostly did her best not to fuck me up. Sorry, excuse me. But no, you know, like, so, and that's the, that's like, that's my attitude now, cause as I'm approaching things is, you know, we're all not perfect and and we all have a light and a dark that we're juggling daily and my goal as a as a good person to other people around me is to just be better than not yeah right and so what is that the the one egyptian god that weighs our heart at, at when we die right so hopefully when my heart is weighed it's lighter than, you know, full of, full of whatever regret, sin, whatever you want to, oh whatever you label it. 
you you bringing up the subject of like the just that gravity and levity concept i i don't know there's just a lot there because <laughs> i certainly feel that well so something else that i'm doing is i'm i'm um taking a class with um dr peter um Dushibit, and he is a um he's a calendar magician and he's uh so we are we are um meditating and working with the tarot uh with the kabbalah and the tree of life and right now we're in the hangman week and so we're dealing with the hangman card and um i always like to i always feel the hangman card is more like an odin card for me he you know when he sacrifices himself on the world tree to gain knowledge right but in that we were talking about this week the way we observe the world around us and um i have a visual spatial problem like uh i don't it, when i go to draw three-dimensional objects I will just draw it distorted. And I had to learn to observe the negative spaces around to get an accurate depiction of the object. So if you think about that, then the, the things that are unseen define reality in a more real way than the actual object we're observing, right? And so the hangman card tells us if we invert the way we look at the world and we choose to see the unseen, then do we find wisdom there? So, you know, um, that's the week I'm living in right now. And the fun thing is, is, is the world sinks up around when I'm, when we're in these lessons and it's just, it's interesting when devil, when we were working through the devil card, there's this piece of land where they've mowed down all the trees and somebody put a devil, you know, the inverted pinnacle on the concrete outside where they've just mowed down all these trees. And it was that same week. And, you know, to them, they don't know that to me, that stupid little thing they spray painted up was like a major, like, holy, holy crap <laughs> moment, you know? So, um, anyway, yeah. That, I really like what you said stuff. about the negative spaces. It was yeah. not where I thought you were going, but I'm really glad you did. I have a question. I suspect the three of you guys are well-equipped to answer. It's a question I don't know the answer to at all. We oh. talk about the, the the spiritual world. There are these there's spiritual entities, and maybe you want to call them a different name. But um, how how do you imagine that? Let's say that spiritual world. What is this, its existence like relative to the physical world? How do you compare? You know, I could say that my you know, my cup over here on the table has, it exists in the physical world, but I don't know that, especially people who don't talk about this thing, this kind of thing, how do you, how do you describe to someone, what is this, where is the spiritual world? How is it, how is it related? I have an answer, but I don't want to dominate that. The, so if, if Luke 
or Jason have an answer? I'm, I'm interested to hear your answer. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I think all of the, the, the realms are right here, hmm. right together, right? Have you ever um, listened to the um, uh, discussions about the differences between 2D and 3D and 4D uh, and the different and how one dimension cannot physically really see the other dimension because of of the limitations that exist physically right um so that's that's how i feel like the spirit realm it's it's right here and i have a story to illustrate that that goes back to my mother and why i'm speaking to her again um and and it has to do with speaking to that spirit realm and then having a physical response um, the following day within 24 hours that was just like so do you want me to tell you yeah I would yeah. I want to hear it so bad <laughs> <laughs> so I had come to a place like I had literally the the day of I was telling my husband like you know I I've come to accept that like you know I'm I'm no contact with my mom and I'm okay with that like I I, I feel like I've healed and then so stupid little me I was lighting my incense and I had decided I was gonna speak to my brother her brother who's passed because we're doing some ancestor work in my tarot group too. So I was like, let's talk to the ancestors and let me just call out all of her immediate family that's deceased. And I said, I really just want her to find peace in her life. I don't have to be a part of that in order for her to find happiness because she's in her late seventies, you know? And, um, and if, if protecting my son meant she isn't gonna have a relationship with him, I still wanted her to have peace. And, um, and I was sweeping the floor while I was doing it. And I, and I threw all the trash and I put it in the trash and I said, let this be symbolic of everything that we've been going through that has, you know, let, let this debris, let me, let me throw this away and, you know, lit my candle and went about my life. And then, um, the next afternoon, a phone number calls me out of the blue and I answer it because I don't answer numbers that say, you know, my mother's name on it. And my mom had fallen down and hit her head and it was her. And she was like, please come. Now my younger brother is also physically disabled. So it's kind of like, you can't just call, my brother can't go pick her up off the floor. And um, she couldn't get him on the phone anyway. So I walk in and um, I tell my husband, I did it. This is all my fault. <laughs> I, I called the ancestors and I talked to the spirits and I did the thing with the sweeping and, I, and, and now mom's, mom's on an ambulance on the way to the hospital and we have to go see her. And then she 
on the way down, I was kind of crying and processing a little bit because this is me breaking that no contact. And I was, and I was like, I'm not feeling as anxious as I was. And I got this kind of calming sensation. And I got this, this thought in my mind that was, you are her piece, right? If I come and I mend this, this is, this is what she needed. The two years away that that was her purgatory. This will be, this will be an okay thing. And um, so she tells me in the hospital when, when I get there, she was in, she was seated and she felt like something pushed her and she hit her head on the, uh, the countertop behind her. And when she told me she was seated and she felt pushed, I was like, it's my fault again, you know? <laughs> So, um, you know, take what you will from it. I talked to the spirits and the next day I'm back in communication with her. Were, were these just a random set of um, occurrences that just pieced together in a really weird way? Do I think that, you know, the fact that I have a rich spiritual life and I called on them in a way that, might have lent them to hear and have an effect and bring peace. I prefer that. I like that version. That brings me peace. So I'm going to go with that. Mm. So that'll be my truth in this story, right? Mm. And that's I, that's okay for my version of reality. I, I know what you mean. I think when you say that there's this degree of freedom that we're just not able to look in, we're not able to look at akin to the 2D, 3D distinction. Would you would you be more likely to say these spiritual beings, whatever they are, they are in the physical world, they're made out of atoms, or would you say they're they're somewhere else, they're made out of, you know, poetrons and spiritrons or yeah. how do how do people talk about this? Well, so um, I'm sure, have you heard of Josh, Joshua Cutchins and, and everybody oh. who, the okay, so there's a book that just came out called The Ecology of Souls. Um, and he is a very open-minded Christian who is exploring things like, is, you know, um, it's basically everything we're talking about right now, um, you know, and so there are those people, let's just, let's just take it to Bigfoot, right? Who think Bigfoot is real, but is also a incorporeal being that can phase in and out. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Man, I feel like where I would, where I would derail this conversation and I hope I'd don't actually <laughs> I don't want to derail it in any direction um because I love what we're talking about uh but in, in regard to um that negative space and I, and I know I'm reversing because I love the story you're telling too like and I thank you so much for like revealing it too um that that whole thing with your mom because I understand the synchronicity there too where it's like <laughs> like because i understand it in the realm of uh even even like potentially i'm performing a ritual in re in regards to prayer when i'm at, when i'm 
submitting some sort of supplication to uh, whatever whatever I'm interacting with. And then all of a sudden something transpires in material reality that is immediately tied to, to whatever I'm interacting with. And, and so it, it, I understand that connection there, but like in regards to the negative space that you were talking about earlier and how that negative space defines um, whatever you're focalizing at, but also like the importance of that negative space, because if that, if that it truly is defining um, what you're, what you're giving your attention to, uh, it's almost as if that is actually just as important, if not more important. Um, and so for me, that co corresponds to the periphery and how like we have this very vague, sort of ambiguous, sort of like, it's not even within conscious reality that that we're experiencing. It's not within our sensory emotion. Well, it may be within our sensory emotional space, but it's not within our discursive space of like reasoning. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that for my experience, it's, it's very much this like vague, uh, sort of peripheral, um, I guess my experience of anything supernatural outside of the material world is always within this. Uh, I can't confirm it. I can't, it, it's, uh, or I can, but it's, it's not with any measure of certainty. It's with this, um, I don't know if you guys are tracking with what I'm saying. But it's you're talking about the non-discursive space. Yeah, this non-discursive space, this almost like in this peripheral space, this what it's coming in at the edges and it's coming in at the margins, but it's not within the focal point. Um, so in yeah. this line, there was something my teacher said this week was, you know, if you can shift your reality to where your immortal concerns overtake your mortal concerns right when we decide that what happens to us afterwards is more important in our daily activity than mm. just our getting overwhelmed and getting lost in the mundane of the day-to-day -day. um it's almost like that keeps you in a stream of energy that makes makes those sacred events because they are to me sacred events um they keep them more plentiful and then the more plentiful they are the more you're reminded of that negative space and that it exists and that it's real um and so all the little things that i do to give back to the land or um they all become sacrifices, right? And and you can you can understand the sacrifice of a Christ figure. It's it's that same kind of thing, right? What what are we giving up um, so that we're reminded of that 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 space that we can't see, you know? So I do I feed the animals every day, and I and I thank the land, and I and I offer 
I offer the bird seed in the morning and the cat food, the dry food to the crow, you know, each of those things are offerings on a daily basis, but I make them an active process that I take seriously every day. And I'm at a place now, my animals at night haven't been coming. And I'm also at a place now where I'm considering doing a more, um, a more ritualistic prayer-like devotional to one of the goddesses. And I feel like that's because I've, I've made that bond and that trust with the land spirits now. And I can, I can face some of that activity. It's been a year, it's time to change, it's time to transition. Um, and so I'm gonna explore a new mode of ritual and see what happens. I have a question on that. How long yeah. have the animals not been coming? Um, since winter has come, but last year they were present all winter. And they yeah. haven't not been coming, but they haven't been as present. Like they haven't been active up on my deck versus where, you know, like I, I would have pictures of them coming nightly and, and I was feeding them nightly. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, is I made a bond with a neighbor over these animals and, um, you know, like, so I've, I've been able to share some of my, my thinking with him. Um, but the animals being gone, I, I, I miss them. I do. I had three baby raccoons that I was, you know, making sure that they, they stayed three baby raccoons that got to grow up instead of becoming two and then one. Yeah. And, um, and then sometimes when I haven't seen them, that's just Lulu. She's crazy. Um, sometimes when I haven't seen them <clears throat> and I've put offerings out, I've said something along the lines of I'm worried and I'd like to know that they're okay. Mm -hmm. And then I'll see like the opossum come up on the deck. And I'll take that as my, okay, they're all right. They're all right. You know, they're just not coming in the numbers that they are. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of that, one of the goddesses I work with um, in, in the Druid tradition is represented by a hawk and a wren. And mm -hmm. I feed the wrens and I have a hawk that that hunts my birds, but she's always outside and I hear her and whenever, you know, so, so now the way the animals are communicating has shifted based on how I'm experiencing my spirituality at the moment. I'm not I, I don't think I need that dark night of the soul time anymore. So my deep night animals, they're not quite as present anymore. I've Same come here. into the day and the hawk is is the hawk has been something that has really, really been um, showing itself, you know. And that's really cool. I like I really yeah, enjoy so all I the language you're using too, like the um because I, I was curious, the reason I asked, because I haven't seen, I had the raccoon that was coming to my door, like almost every, and I haven't seen her, I think it's her, uh, her in months now. Um, and then she started coming back 
for months I didn't see her. Then she started coming back very, very sporadically as well. Um, and then, then I, now it's been a few months and I haven't seen her, but I'm just kind of trusting that she's okay. But I like the language that you use that the, uh, the hawk is revealing itself almost. Like, I like the way you phrase that. It's like, mm. yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, when you talk about, uh, the, the goddess, um, is that kind of just, could other people maybe understand that as something more like the divine feminine or like Gaia or mother earth or something like that in a way, or so the spirit of mother earth, maybe. Yeah. So for me, <clears throat> to me, there's a, a, uh, ultimately a, a divine feminine energy that derives from the planet. Um, and, I call that mother and I feel there is a, a, an energy that is skyward and I'll attribute that to a father mm -hmm. and I treat when I meditate or I am trying to um, access that, that negative space, we'll just call it for this conversation. Um, I try to bridge that that gap between the earth and the sky, right? So in our in our um, in our classes, we we kind of mingle we mingle the energy into instead of a golden light and a silver light, a mixed of the two, right? Wow. And and that access is here in your heart, and that connection between those two. Um, I think is that is that aspect of the divine getting to experience um, what we are, and we're each a different aspect of 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 reality, right? So, mm -hmm. if the divine can connect to us and experience that moment of humanity, if we think about um, the different, if if gods live on a different layer. And they can connect and come down into our realm for a little while. And what are they experiencing while they're here? Do they experience pain and pleasure while they're accessing us? Or, mm. you know, what? Or do we get to, to get some of their divine knowledge? And there's a just a, you know, the way skin sloughs off when it, like, do we just trade some energy when we're accessing that place? And that's where things come from. I don't know but that's what I'm exploring. Right. And I'm just going to let things keep opening up as they, as they do. That's, that's what I've been doing is just listening. And if I hear things that seem to repeat, I'll, I'll write it down, hmm. you know, and keep listening. Um, I like to say, I follow the threads, right. So if we're, if, if each of us is a different strand and some strands want to come together and, and so in, in spinning, we talk about taking a single strand and through the act of applying twist and energy, we can ply them together to become stronger. Two is stronger than one. Three is stronger than two, right? Um, but mm. that twist, yeah. Um, in order to do that, when we spin a single, we give it give it more energy, but then we 
we rotate back on, we come back on ourselves a little bit to release that excess energy to become two that are balanced, right? Um, and that's wow. very much yin and yang, right? It's it's that same same symbology and in a physical medium, it, you know, basically sure. exemplifying that that kind of thinking. Um, so that's how that's how while I you know when you sit and spin and you're meditating because it is a meditative process. Um, those are the kind of things that be like oh, you know. So when you're crafting and you're doing something intuitive and you're accessing the creative divine spark, right? Yeah. Um, listen, listen to some interesting podcasts and conversations and let that kind of, you know, let the sparks build on each other. And, you know, then, then you see the, the things that we don't see. So. I, I have to tell you way that, um, Though my wife, uh, she doesn't spin. She's a she's a natural dyer. So, um, and we travel around and go to various markets with, um, you know, she'll she'll use other people's uh, creations in regards to their that they're creating the fiber art, but then she's dyeing it. Um, so she has like different collaborations that she uses, but um, that's been a fun process too. And so. Yeah hearing the other side of it too because there's this labor that goes into it prior to what we then receive to die with various botanicals most of which we're growing on our property here but a lot of stuff we have to outsource because it just doesn't even grow in our region um but, but isn't there such a wonderful community too that comes from that when you're like I have a black walnut tree somebody come and get it you know and and yeah. we come out of the woodwork and then you're like you're my people we're you know and yeah. and then in that it's I love the inspiration that comes from that because then we do collaborate yeah. yesterday I was um I did a pop-up show at at another fiber artist because I'm in a group of them and um, we were actually talking about natural dyes yesterday because we were having a discussion about mordants and when we die in the numbers of skeins that we're dying, sure. we, we tend to like the environmental impact of, of working with acid dyes actually, because there's no heavy metals left in the water and we are cognizant of how much we would be disposing as indie dyers versus a hobbyist doing it on a smaller scale, right? Because um, somebody was like, oh, well, aren't natural dyes better than all of these things that you're using? And it's like, well, I provide the acid as opposed to the natural dye is the acid. And then you have to introduce the mordant. So blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. No, um, and you're speaking a language that I only hardly know. I know like, you know, we're using like a alum and we're using iron and we're using all these other like there's a variety of other mordants that i think uh my wife is using but you know and we have indigo vats going and and all these other fermentation processes and the call like uh, the cauldrons on the, <laughs> yep. on the uh, you know they're always boiling and the house is filled with fragrances and there's stuff strung around drying and whatever else but it's it's one of those things where um i just do the I spend my time in the garden and my wife is the one that's actually doing the, the, 
she's doing the alchemy so yeah 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 and it is it is and it's fun i actually in my art process developed kind of analogy to metals uh, in during photography uh, back when we could still use dark rooms you know now everybody's digital but um so I stayed away from natural dye and just steered towards using the acid dyes. But they also had the saturation of colors that is so important to me. So they became, um, instead of, there was a long time I wasn't painting and doing a lot of my art because the color side of it was being sat satisfied by creating these richly saturated fabrics mm. and yarns and things like that. Um, so, you know, but yeah, it's, it's fun. It is, it's, it's its own magic though. And yeah. then you start stirring your cauldrons in certain ways and certain times of days, or if you, if you want to bring in, I bring in mountain water from, from the Catoctin mountain up here near me, there's a spring and I'll, I'll rinse my yarn and with, with mountain spring water and, you know, it, does it do anything for the yarn? No. But is it is it something I do? Yeah. And then later on, when I'm at a show, before the show start, I'll whisper to the to the yarn that, you know, I made this as an act of inspiration, and now it's time to inspire people, right? Like, this is now now the magic I put into you. It's time for you to to wake up, you know. Um, yeah, that's actually really precious. I think that I think that does something to the yard. <laughs> I yeah, would say so. I, yeah, definitely. I, like I mean, you I mean, the, like you said, the, the mother, the mother's giving you water from her spring, and you're putting it into the yarn, and then putting all your attention and care into it, and then uh, yeah. asking it to, to uh, continue its life um, into the next person. That's really cool. Well, and part of the, so the, the, the cauldron of creation, right, this, the myth of, of Cardowin, or I, I'm never going to say her name right, um, anyway like I can't help but when I'm stirring my dye pots to go you know here's this void that I I'm creating this this yarn and this art from and so you know tap the pot a couple times and you know whisper whisper thanks to her and the inspiration at that phase and then at the rinsing phase there's a little something but it's that same nod to the the divine or the negative space or however we want to look at it mm -hmm. that I, it's just a little thing I do along the way and then at the end of it you know does it matter to my customers that I've done that no but it it does to me and if that if that brings magic in one way or the other you know who's to say that magic didn't exist so I'm I, I'm so curious where this overlaps with like um, this understanding of a, a a sacramental life or a life because um, um, like all these like slower practices that are accustomed to this like somewhat I mean it is it's a pre-modern agricraft uh, way of of living that was deeply bound to a way of knowing in the world uh, and encountering reality that in the at least in in modernity we don't we don't have anymore and so it's like there's we're cut off from this whole other way of 
of knowing. And then there's these thin strands, like you're talking about these, the golden thread that's sort of like running counterintuitively to the, the, the modern impulse that still is participating in these things. And, and I feel like I'm, I'm to a certain extent tapping into that to a certain, a certain degree, I'm seeing the sacred, like all I'm seeing is the difference between the reality that everything is actually sacred and all we've done is desacralized <laughs> these things. And so it's like um, tapping back into the reality that like everything that I'm participating in has this like sacramentality to it, you know, like um, whether it's feeding my chickens or uh, whatever it is, it's like these rituals that I'm participating in on a daily basis. And they, they require a certain measure of suffering to partake in but like there's a certain measure of like abundance that comes from these things and sacrifices it leads to like a it, it's it's a it's a form of limitation that leads to greater knowledge mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah. right because you get to experience the joy those ch chickens bring you mm -hmm. right when they're thriving and happy there's nothing better than seeing your animals happy and knowing that you're you're taking care of them. You know what I mean? And yeah. that self is that little dopamine rush to me is is coming from the sacred. Yes. That's good. Yes. Yeah. And it's just whichever whichever mode we need to see it. If you need to see it as, as Odin, good. If you need to see it as Christ, whatever, you see it. And that's the important part to me anyway. Yeah. Acknowledging that it exists is the real thing. So. Greg, you look like you've got a question. You, you don't? Oh, okay. I couldn't tell. Yeah, I completely agree. It's sometimes, sometimes when you're talking it, uh, well, first of all, multiple times, this conversation is great. Multiple times I've been like, I don't know, something when you and Luke have been going back and forth, I'll get moments where it's almost like something will hit my heart and I'm just like, man, it almost, almost makes me tear up or something. I don't know. But, uh, and then when you're talking about the, the, the things being sacramental and stuff, um, sometimes it reminds me of, of, fasting a little bit maybe that's just my own personal way of doing it where i'm uh, i'll give up like when you're talking about the peripherals and things like that i was trying to talk to luke about this a, a few days ago it's almost like where that it almost it doesn't come full center but it's like i'm more aware of it all the time or something when i'm fasting and it's like the i mean you could say it's like kind of for a moment for moments i'm living in a thin space or something like that but it's not like i'm I still feel very grounded too and very connected to earth at the same time of being I don't know yeah. in that in the peripheral well ceremonial magicians use fasting and abstinence and those things um as cleansing rites in order to be able to perform more powerful directed magical rites I'm like definitely huh? all about the power <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> well, that's so that's what's happening though right you're 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 cleansing your body through fasting mm. and then whatever yeah. you're partaking in 
in theory, the the offensive smells of certain foods and the smell of of carnal activity is supposed to be repulsive to spirits and things like that. And if we're calling on them to do things for us, to have an impact in our life, if we call upon them as stinky monsters, right? Um, they maybe don't want to, to lend aid. So, you know, from a, a ceremonial magician standpoint, you know, um, the, the things that monks and clerics have been doing as acts of devotion also, you know, in their realm, it has a practical, um, application to it. So, and again, it's like, whichever way you choose to see that act, you know, are you choosing to see it as something cleansing so you don't offend the spirits or is it something cleansing to make you less unclean and therefore, you know, like, or is it as simple as, well, you don't want to go to somebody's house and ask them for a favor if you haven't taken a bath and, you know, just show up clean and respectful. I mean, you know, how do you want to interpret that? Are any of those interpretations wrong? Yeah. All of yeah. the above. It reminds me a little bit when you were talking about, because uh, I see it the same way too, as like Mother Earth, Father Heavens. And uh, and it, for some reason, when you're just describing the fasting, my mind, I, and this could be weird, that I don't know if it was right for my mind to jump over here, but it, back, it, I was thinking about back a little bit ago, you mentioned something about the shedding of skin. And that kind of seems, uh, there's a connection between like realizing uh, we're made of both heaven and earth. And there's this weird sort of shedding of skin, I guess, that happens in the process too. Um, you're shedding that that layer of clay, I guess, that you've kind of, um, like you said, is more, yeah. and I, the body I don't want to say unclean, but yeah. Recycles all the cells every seven years, right? So, um, you know, so does that, you could say, is there some sort of spiritual cycle you could you could link yourself up to a seven year a seven year devotional journey like who's to say the druids follow the moon cycle and it's a 19 year it's a 19 year journey the moon to com come back to its full um you know starting point let's say and and you can't you know you have to experience every phase of the moon along the way of those 19 years. So, right. So all of these things, You're they the long one day, but you can't, you, you, you see how the layers of things can start mm -hmm. fitting together, you know? And so something as simple as tending a garden, you're tending a piece of land. And you, if you communicate with the spirits of that land and say, I sacrifice my time and energy to create a safe, safe place for you. And then, you know, what does that, what does that do? You know, that's kind of where I'm like, what, what happens if I then, so I love, I love, you know, that kind of, if then let's go, let's do some scientific method on, on the unknown spiritual realm. Yeah. Way you've mentioned the ceremonial magicians, you've mentioned the calendar magicians and the druids. 
what are the categories of magicians that you encounter commonly and what distinguishes them? Um, so my calendar magician would tell you that in a past life, he thinks he was a Druid, right? So the aspects of Druidry just exist and make sense to him, even though he doesn't really actively call upon them in, in this life, right? Um, so I'm encountering what, what kind of reveals itself as I continue to pick my way through this process. So I didn't, I, I don't do anything ceremonially. I guess I get, I would be classified more as a folk, you know, folk magic um, kind of practitioner. Um, but I can see the validity in ceremonial magic. There's a lot more time and energy and effort that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And as a mother, I don't have that time and energy, right? Like, What, what is ceremonial magic? So, so ceremonial magic is going to be more of like, if you hear people refer to as like the, the Gardnerian um, stuff or um, mm, what is it? The Aleister Crowley's gang and um, like, the, is that kind of like, I mean, Solomonic magic would fall into that, yeah. things like that. The uh, All of those um, things. Kind right? of what people what would maybe say is more like high magic or something like yes, that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And calling out angels, things like that. Okay. My question to follow that is, would you be following a particular grimoire or is folk magic more um, an intuitive? Um, I don't even know. <laughs> I guess I'm speaking out of, out of turn. I, I, I would say my journey into folk magic has been intuitively led. Yeah. Um, and in that act, my sketchbooks have become grimoires, right? And 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 all a grimoire is is just right. It's it's knowledge comprised into one place you can go back to. So as I'm meditating, it goes in the book. As I am in my classes on certain things, all of those things go in the book and then now there's several books right so i'll i'll just have piles and piles of it but it's art right so because things don't always translate themselves so well with me through written word i'm going to i'm going to have like paintings that go along with things that are going to be the way cuz sometimes i can't write down what i'm experiencing right? How do you describe that the moon and the clouds suddenly turned in fate, into a face, right? That looked like a female, a motherly female shining down on me. I've experienced that twice. And the first time is when I was going through the heartbreak of having to deal with that mother transition and re-understanding my mother. And then to have felt a maternal loving feminine energy when I needed a mother energy that sold me more than than anything that that I had experienced before that right yeah. um and so that became a truth that I then knew and then that began to alter my reality right because 
I started to see things outside of the way I've been programmed to see things. And then there's a point where you, you know, people, people will talk about deprogramming, but it is, right? You stop to, you stop seeing everything through one particular lens. And, and then you realize there's so much more and, and that the restrictions that we're imposing are all self-imposed, right? When I decide to classify you as X and you as Y, right? What purpose is that serving, mm-hmm. you know? And if we're all here to kind of learn a lesson and experience the divine in some way and learn more through those experiences, um, I think I think when we all start trying to to segment us up and classify us just so you you take away from that and you dehumanize us all right mm. and then we can't be human to each other yeah and that, that's uh... what I don't like in this world is is that and that's that's a, something that I think we're losing is is we're losing that connection to each other as we're all here living together, experiencing this world together. We're all going to make mistakes because that's part of learning. You know, we can't we can't say your experience is less valid than mine because yours isn't mine. Oh, man, you just can't. Yeah, I, I I love what you're saying because it um well it it acknowledges the particularity of each and every person's experience, not only of the material realm that they're living in or what have you, but their their experience of um of the divine and and of um the that which they cannot actually bring into any sort of communicable, communicable um, experience, or, or like so, that which remains tacit, that which remains like we cannot, that which we cannot speak of, that which is, that which almost fails the minute that we even conceptualize it, like like the very fact that you can capture um, what you're experiencing with the the clouds and the moon in a piece of artwork is a perfect example of this because it, it you're able to um, bring this uh, sensory emotional experience of material reality uh, but it is also the experience of, of um, uh, what have you I'm going to use the word divine into 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 that experience so it's like this hypostatic union between heaven and earth and and you're trying to put this into uh into um into this particularity into this multiplicity and in each and every formation of that in our lives is so unique mm-hmm. it's like it's so and it's so precious to each one of us so it's like it just can't be taken away ever, you know, um, from each and every person. Mm-hmm. 
and it and it, there's a kind of like sovereignty there even in in that element in that experience the i don't know if you like sovereignty of the individual maybe that's like a that sounds like a weird uh way of saying it but there is that uh that um reality there but it doesn't deny the the collective reality of of that sovereignty either so i don't know i'm that's I'm, that's this that's the balance in it too isn't it right yeah. In order for there to be a collective, we have to be individuals. Yeah. That coincidence of opposites. Yeah. 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 And that's that's the that's if from you know, let's look at the universe, right? That's how it how it ultimately balances itself out. And and so all those things, I don't know, they apply. Yeah. To how we look at all this stuff. Yeah naturally it seems like but. yeah yeah it's just the power of that um the way th that experience um however however the uh however you do experience that that um I'm having trouble articulating myself, so I might as well actually stop talking. No, I get what <laughs> but, you're saying, right? Because if yeah. you're a musician, it's gonna it's gonna come to you through your music. Yeah. If you're a woodworker, it's gonna come to you through your carpentry, right? Yeah. We have to find the things that bring us joy in order for us, I think, to be able to let um, inspiration find us, right? And for me, inspiration comes from divine energy. So, um, and that spark comes from the void, that, that place of nothingness, right? And that's what, that's what divine energy, you know, inspiration is. So, um, but that spark is nothing without us, the conduit that brings it into reality. We manifest it by creating the objects Right. And so when you channel and focus that energy while you're creating those objects, it's even more. Those magical tools that you create. Right. So when I spin yarn of protection for my friend. Right. And then they go and create a protective sigil with the yarn that I spun, you know, it it just builds on itself. I feel like I'm dominating que questions and conversation, but uh, do you believe what is a? I'm very curious what that intentionality um, brings, because like there's so much preparation. Even I mean, you're talking as a as as someone who practices folk magic, and I understand that even a more ritualized or a ceremonial magic would be even more intention potentially. But mm -hmm. at, at the same time, like that intention that you're putting into that. Um, well, I don't know what you call it, whatever. Active creation. Yeah, active creation is, is um, what does intentionality have? I feel like that's a lot of what I understand as, as both immediately obvious to me in regards to thinking about magic, but also like um, foreign to me because of perhaps my upbringing, like like, cause I, I, I approach it from like the avenue of like, I've, I'm realizing the continuity between prayer <laughs> and supplications and, 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 um, that sort of thing. And, 
and what what I'm seeing even within the practice of magic and well replace prayer with intention yeah I mean what is prayer but you're you're focusing your mind on something that is important to you and you're putting that energy into the request whatever it is you're beseeching right so do when you're creating right but have have that intention behind it is that prayer for instance when i when i pray i i notice the difference between prayers that i actually incantate with my breath and Mm -hmm. i speak out loud and not only do i have the auditory like i'm i'm incorporating all my senses in that act versus like um a prayer that I might um, speak within my own mind or, or in, and it's lost so quickly because I'm not participating in this like ritualized process that actually includes embodiment, you know? Can I make the observation too, that the act of speaking it out loud uses breath and breath is the thing that defines us as living beings. So there's there's power in in that spoken word yeah drop the bomb right there even even if you're whispering it right so that's i mean i'm not out there so my neighbors can hear me (laughs) i'm just i'm whispering you know under my breath and and you know um my favorite time to pray if i'm gonna pray right if we look at it that way is when the wind is blowing and I like to go outside and speak it into the wind, right? So that so maybe it hits the God's ears faster if I if if the wind brings it to them. And and to me the wind is as alive as um you know that prayer that I'm whispering out loud is. Yeah. You just drew a thread through all three, the spirit, the breath, and the wind, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's what yeah that's what comes from our being that's how we express it your thoughts come out through your breath and then it's mm-hmm. same as when too. right which is why when you say something to somebody that's hurtful it's, you you can't take it back versus mm-hmm. you've thought something spiteful but you've said it you can't you can't unsay those things you've said yeah so you know um, but we, as we grow up, when we mature, we learn to be mindful of the things we say, because we learn that there is power behind it. Yeah. So absolutely, that whispered prayer is more powerful than, so imagine what a shouted one, or one that's repeated and chanted with drumming and energy building, right? That's what the ceremonial magicians are doing. They're saying, okay, I want to open a door and make something happen as opposed to yeah. I'll just let the wind and fate be, be, be the factors. But to me, I like, I like fate and that fate can maybe change. And so I don't mind that, that it's a little more un- unpredictable. I'd rather go with the, the flow of the ocean tides than demand that the spirits listen to me. But that's because I think that's more polite. Yeah. 
and so that's the way I'll I will approach the spirits. Uh, who am I to demand anything? That's oh so, my gosh! I, <laughs> this is this whole conversation has just been so. I've it's been blowing my mind. Um, but I feel the exact same way. Like, like for so long, you I've I've demanded. You know, like I certain things and and i've approached i've i've wanted these like and and then you can and then your ego gets involved and all that and and it's just like that's when it it just it goes off the rails like it's just not gonna you turn turn into a toddler right and you don't mean to yeah i wanted it and i asked you for it right and i did the things right you said if I could have, if I ate a bite of dinner, I could have a cookie afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. So, but you don't always get the cookie. And sometimes yeah. the, the hawk flies down and takes your cookie away, right? As you go mm-hmm. to grab it. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but, you know, for me, I go, well, maybe that hawk knew that I didn't need that particular cookie. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where I'll go back to letting nature tell me as opposed to well i wanted that cookie and because i wanted it all other needs and things exclude because i and that's not what we're here for right can i ask you a question yeah do you believe that the more potentially the more authentic potentially even more powerful spirit or spirits reveal themselves not through any sort of force or um like they don't assert themselves in the same way that like perhaps even lesser spirits like I, i don't even know how to explain or maybe i'm using the wrong language but what i'm trying to say is like there seems to be something really authentic and really genuine and specifically i'm i'm referring this relating this all to this idea of the feminine and the divine feminine in my my own mind and how like that my understanding or my experience of the divine feminine has been this like it's like though the power is there she almost is um waiting for me to discover her in a in a way that's like that waiting for me to discover her has been more powerful than than me um like that's had a more powerful effect on me than uh any sort of um masculine uh assertion you you think about a mother that's teaching a lesson right we it doesn't help if i keep if i always feed my son right? I am taking care of him, but I'm also not teaching him to take care of himself, right? And I feel like that's kind of how, for me, like, the, that's why the listening and the, the, the sacrifices are those reminders that keep me looking for those things that come from the divine that say, hey, you know, because the more you pay attention to it, the more it's present, and then it's easier to communicate. Mm-hmm. If you're ignoring 
signs or you aren't putting putting them together, then the messages that are being shared with you aren't aren't coming through, right? And I can tell you to drink water because it's good for you, but you have to do it yourself, right? So if you don't drink water and you go dry and become parched and are brittle inside, well, whose fault is that, right? Yeah. Yes. And that's how I feel like that's, that's the God, like goddess energy is very nurturing, but it's also not coddling. There is, there is that severity that mothers have because sometimes you need. Yeah. And it draws, it draws forth from you. Like it, it demands from you. It, it it brings you into a new state of consciousness, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you got to think, okay, I'll go back to my cauldron of creation and, and the womb and the womb of the earth, right? And if those divine sparks come from the, the womb and the void, um, you know, but there has to be two, right? If we have we have that male energy, it's important. But male, that male, it, you know, unfortunately, and I'm sorry for splitting it into male and female, but um, those two aspects each have a benefit, right? And and a father's energy isn't the same necessarily. Even a father who is taking on a caretaker role is is slightly different than a mother in a caretaker role it's just it's just kind of the way it is mothers gave birth to you um father never will know what it is like to grow another life inside of you you don't get to experience that unfortunately um and labor to birth that into existence right Right. Our concept of pain is on a wholly different level than men's concept of pain, you know, Um, and and women themselves often don't realize that until they've gone through that transformative process. You know, there's when you hear your baby make a sound for the very first time, there was a lightning bolt that went through my body because I, even though I was on the C-section table, you know, like I, there, it was something when my son's voice came out that first time and um, I can't describe it other than a lightning bolt, you know, and I'm sure my husband felt something, but I know mine was unique because I, I grew him, right? And there's an ownership to that, that, you know, I don't want to take that away from fathers either, but, you know, you provided the seed and we're grateful for it, but we were the vessel for it, right? Absolutely. It took from our bodies. It, it, It changed our bodies. Our bodies are eternally affected by the act of growing that child and giving birth to that child. Um, you know, in a way you guys don't get to experience. So yeah. I definitely would identify 
female goddess energy is something different hmm. inherently yeah yeah that, i would just well. answers my question yeah <laughs> I feel like I've just been like. <laughs> no, just everything you just said is like one of those, gosh, uh, one of those moments where you're just like, man, I don't know. You just want to sit with it for a minute, you know? Yeah. It's just very, very precious and very profound. Um, and it just, like we have this word that keeps coming up in our little circle where, where fractal, like it works fractally and everything you just said, it's just like, it, it hits on every single level from the, the micro to the macro and even you talking about mother earth and how your body has changed through all this stuff and, and uh, giving birth um, to the seed that's provided and even how that applies all the way up on all the way to larger scales. Um, and you see even to mother, like mother earth or the goddess feminine energy you're talking about is uh, uh, gives and gives um, to, to give life for the seed that's provided. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I, I, I live in constant pain, um, because the, the swelling that I experienced after giving birth to my son, I, my lungs were filling with fluid, um, cause they were, they were pressuring me to breastfeed. And unfortunately I couldn't the way I couldn't produce enough milk and the level of fluids my body was retaining versus the milk I was producing. It, it became dangerous. And, um, you know, and then there was some nerve damage that happened to my feet. And so now I have, I'm, I'm permanently affected. And I'm also in a strange place that I know if I have another child, I might not make it or it'll be very, very bad for me physically. Um, so my baby boy is precious in, in more than one way, you know? Um, he's the only one that, that I'm gonna have. And, and so, you know, we channel all of our energy into him. But um, I also wouldn't change the things that I've had to endure to have him, mm. right? And as a mother, I know that that sacrifice was absolutely worth it because I wouldn't have him. And, um, you know, so, so each of these acts that we do, that it's so that fractal thing, right? It's all the same concepts, whether we're creating art or we're creating life um, or we're giving life to our friends and our neighbors through love and compassion. Like, it's all the same stuff. Just how do we look at it? And if we figure out that as, that it's all the same, everything that we do can be a sacred act. And it can be small. But the fact that we're doing it is just bringing us back again into that place where we're in it. So that's where I've been the last nine months. It's awesome. <laughs> Figuring this stuff out. So. 
<laughs> I can see you guys have some questions. Craig, got one? I do have questions. I'm approaching the end of my available time, so I should get them in there. Well, ask ask some questions if you got them. I have a I have a few, but I feel like these conversations too. on like this this really good meaningful <laughs> level, and I'm like I have, my questions are very very. We can uh, go I'll, back I'll, to brass tacks. So I'll ask those. I'll ask those later. You go ahead, Craig. You go first. I don't know that I can ask anything that's going to be able to be answered shortly. So maybe, maybe I'll jump off and let you guys stay on. Well, do you want? Would you you want to save it for another time, or would you want to ask it and then listen I would later? Love to. I, okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to. I'm going to write it down. Listen to this again and. I suspect some of the things that I'm curious about have answers in here that I just didn't apprehend. <laughs> so anyway, it was really good to talk with you guys. And yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, yeah, and anytime you want to talk again, just I'm happy to. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night, Craig. Thanks for coming. Jason, so you first. <laughs> But my question's gonna you're gonna hear it and then you're gonna be like, why are you asking this question? All right, so when you were talking way about um uh folk magic and stuff, um I'm kind of interested in that as well. It's interesting how that that does seem to a lot of times happen intuitively and then somehow line up. You know, you find like, oh, I did the same thing. Like when you're talking about the moon and everything, I'm just like, man, I feel like I've had those exact same experiences just from mm -hmm. not even like looking it up or trying to Google things online, literally just um really through something like prayer and uh, some sort of seeking or desire coming from within and then literally just kind of calling out to God, to the universe, and then uh, having these synchronicities line up after that. And uh, and I had, I've mentioned that before to Luke and stuff. I had this, it was at least a span of at least a month where all I know how to describe is that every time I look in the sky, I could have swore the moon was full. And I'm like, I know that's not possible, but it's right. like, and then through that process, you know, I stopped calling the moon it, like I call it her or she or something. And it's like, you, you get this weird transformative things. So anyway, that's, I guess, neither here nor there, but the, the whole idea of folk magic and just kind of um, being in tune with the earth and being explorative and everything with that. So here's my question. And it's going to be really sideways. What is stump water? Have you heard of this before? <laughs> stump water no yeah i'm gonna okay. assume it's water from a stump <laughs> yeah it is it is but i think it, it has something to do with folk magic and how it collects in the stump and the stump is like a vessel that holds it like come like a sacred vessel i didn't know if you had any thoughts on that so well to me it's going to be sacred because it's going to be full of tardigrades and all those wonderful creatures that exist yeah. on a microcosm that you know and they're living in their own little sense of reality that we can't even imagine and it's 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 a unique world inside of the stump so that's that's what stump water would be to me just knee jerk that's beautiful i'm glad you just took my my love my question and just like elevation if i can see it that's great yeah. that's so playful too because it's like i so how much time have i spent just imagining the like microcosms of these different worlds like when you watch ants just like forming a colony in your backyard and they're living their own like how often do you think about these things like yeah. I don't know for me it, it is pretty constant but you know you get wrapped up in the mundane 
of everyday reality. No, but I'm in my fish room. So this is, I'm surrounded by uh, micro ecosystems. Yes. And um, I keep a, I keep all of the tanks I keep are um, minimally filtered. So it's all plant-based filtering. And yeah. so upstairs in my um, window on one of my altars, I have a fish tank that is 100% naturally it's just I've got one sponge filter to keep the surface of the water moving and it's all plants including you know my pathos are removing nitrogen for the water blah 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 mm -hmm. I've got small shrimp in there that are are cleaning the tank and but I take that water and will water the plants from my altar with that water and it is the living source of sacred water that I have at my disposal. But um, so stump water is could be very much a living source of water, right? Because it has an ecosystem within it. And so that's the same thing I'm doing with my, my fish tanks is, is I'm taking that. And the act of loving and caring for and devoting a moment to them in a sacred way then to me it's a whole that's 10 gallons of holy water i've got upstairs right yeah um mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah i have a confession to make too i uh mm. i actually did drink stump water once because i was curious and uh i didn't really get a good vibe afterwards i was like i probably should not have done this this is probably not smart <laughs> yeah they're they're microbes you might not have wanted in uh, there you know <laughs> Sorry, right. <laughs> I'm still alive yeah. right now. That's all that matters. I was I was kind of curious. I was like, I wonder what happened if I drank this water. But then uh, as soon as I drank it, I was like, yeah, I don't think that was smart. Not even for it was weird because it wasn't even like a weird, uh, um, like materialistic way that that rubbed me the wrong way. It was just kind of this weird like, like you don't know that what you're doing. For you. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. yeah. For you. That's it. Felt like a bad omen almost. Like it more than like like getting a worm or something was the least of my worries. It was just kind of like, ask, you should not. Did you ask for permission to drink the water? Oh gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm running around doing, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm walking around and I'm like, oh, this thing on this plant looks like it could be interesting to eat. Let's try it. And then I'm like, oh, that was a bad persimmon. I didn't know what that was in my mouth. No, so like, our oh. ancestors did all that work for us. So yeah. you don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> I got to actually ask, ask the, the ancestors and the fairies before I go around drinking stump water. Uh, yeah, myself you know. in trouble. <laughs> what if that was somebody's secret medicinal brew and you just just went on slurping it up? It wasn't very much. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was only one shot. It was just, no, but, it was less than that. It was like maybe like a small drop. If That's you're true. this big, that oh, could have been the year supply. How this dare you? It reminds me of like Horton Hears a Who and I just drank a bunch of them. Oh no, I'm a monster. <laughs> you weren't thinking fractally enough. How can you claim to be fractal, right. Jason? Right. Come on. Oh my gosh, I repent. Oh. oh man. Here's my here's my question. When I hear, um, is it the creation cauldron or cauldron creation? Called cauldron of creation. Cauldron of creation. So uh, for whatever reason, obviously, I'm, I'm thinking of like 
herbal medicine and medicinal i'm thinking of like the the mixtures of of things and I've, i do have an herbal remedy book in here that doesn't it's not just herbs i mean it's all sorts of whether it be minerals or um mineral compounds or whether it be and that could come from an animal or it could come from the earth um it's a it's a i really like it um i haven't practiced a ton of herbal herbal um healing methods or anything like that so i don't know but my immediate thought was that's that's the relation to the cauldron that i'm i'm that's the image i'm getting right now so the tale is um lulu i love you so um there there was a witch who um was ageless and i'm not a bard so i'm not going to tell this the way a bard should and i would encourage you to go look up the tale of taliesin um and listen to a real bard tell it but essentially um care to win the witch who has all this knowledge of herbs and um the cycles of the earth she has two children and one is a beautiful girl she's sweet everything that you could want her son is um dumb he's he's not smart he's ugly he's twisted he's gnarled and she she said this isn't this isn't going to be good for him. So what do we need to do? If he's smart, people, people will listen to him. So she decides that she's got to, to brew a potion and it, and it takes all of her knowledge and it's going to take a year and a day to brew this potion. And she has two servants. One is an old man and that old man, his only job is to stir the cauldron. And then there's a young boy named Guion Bach. And Guion's, he is supposed to go out and he's supposed to collect this, the, um, the, the uh, kindling and keep the fire going so that cauldron can continue to cook for that year and that day. And so we're getting towards the end and, and um, the old man gets tired. And, and Guion is supposed to take over stirring. But how is he supposed to stir the pot and go collect the branches at the same time? So he's, he's trying to do these things. And then all of a sudden, three drops spring forth from the cauldron and they land on his thumb and he puts them in his mouth. And then he knows that he's messed up. Those were the three drops that were meant for her son. And Cardowin knows immediately that this has happened. This and is the my cauldron. Stump water. This is the stump water is story. Stump oh, water. No. <laughs> so then the cauldron breaks because everything that's left is, is po poison and it seeps into the earth. And he knows that she's mad and she's coming for him. And he thinks, if only I could turn into a hare. And that's what he does. And he immediately, because now he has all the wisdom of the universe, he knows he's been every animal through time. And so he turns into a hare. Well, she turns into a greyhound and she goes after him. And then while he's going 
and he's in the hair form. He turns into a fish and she turns into a sam. Oh, oh, no, no. He turns into a salmon and she turns into the otter to come after him. Mm-hmm. And then he turns into the wren and she turns into the hawk to go after him. And then his final incarnation is he turns into a grain and he falls into a field of grains. So she turns into the hen and she pecks and she pecks until she consumes him. And then she's, yes, I've killed him. He's gone. He's dead. But then she knows that he's growing inside her belly. And so for nine months, she carries him. And then she's going to kill him as soon as she gives birth to him. But then she gives birth to this beautiful child and she can't kill something that's her own. So she makes this bundle up and she puts him inside the bundle, very much like the Moses story, and sends him down the river. And some people say he was drifting for 40 years. Some people say he was drifting for 100 years. But a fisherman found him, and when they opened it up, he had glowing eyes, and he was Taliesin of shining brow. And he became the bard of the bardic traditions, right, that told the tales of, but, but when we look at what bardship is, right, it's that oral tradition and inspiring inspiration, and in that inspiration kept learning alive right kept traditions alive Mm -hmm. um and lost information was most likely kept alive through those told stories um but that's what that cauldron is and that's what it means right so that 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 ultimate knowledge sprang forth from that that cauldron but she is the one who crafted it right she she knew how the earth and the seasons and you had to collect things under the moon at just the right time and with all of that knowledge of the natural world she was able to create that potion that is really cool that's a beautiful story i love i love it when did you learn that was that just recently Um, this year how did i how did i find it oh it was one of my meditations actually i was doing with um my my tarot group and we were we were um we do something called magic mondays where we deliberately do acts of magic with our tarot and um we were kind of we were asking questions and and you know writing down the answers that as we we got them however they were intuitively right so scrying channeling whatever anyway her name popped up and I wrote it down and also um, something that was like, I, I'll know that I'll know things are, the divine is communicating to me through animals. Um, so anyway, I wrote it down and then I followed the thread and then I, you know, was, I, I listened to it and was like, oh my, you know, like all of these things just so, yeah. It, it just it, it landed in my path and I listened that's such a so. beautiful story that's so cool oh, I love it and, yeah and listening to a real bard tell it so much better than yeah than me. that's cool I love how you were talking about too the bard uh preserves like the um gosh it's hard to even describe like everything that 
that the board's um, responsibility actually preserves. Because it's, uh, it's like he's, you take poetic form and you're keeping that alive along with incorporating it into song. And then even through the music, like the breath along with the vibrations of the music and the sounds and everything, um, it really can transform uh, an entire atmosphere. Like, you know, I mean, songs just do that in general. Like you can make your day gloomier, brighter, right? If you yeah, listen but to the you know, right somebody has that voice that resonates and, and harmonizes with the music and you get that that chill, right? Mm -hmm. That that only comes from that kind of thing. And that's yeah. that's that's the magic of the bard, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It reminds me of Orpheus a little bit too. Uh, he's one of my favorites in the Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. That's really cool. And there was a when you were talking about the uh her making the cauldron and all of that knowledge going into it. Um, I've, I might have brought him up before last time. Have you heard of George MacDonald? Mm -mm. He's got this, uh, he's this kind of a Scottish, um, he, well, he's a Scottish author. He writes fantasy stories. Um, I think he kind of inspired at least some of Tolkien and a lot of C.S. Lewis's work and stuff like that. But he, he's got this one story, it's called The Golden Key. And uh, it's, it's a really beautiful story, but I think it's it's interesting because it reads like a kid's story almost, and it's mm -hmm. it's a short it's a short story. It's not very long, but it's um I think it was one of his last works. Um, but at the end of it, there's this uh, I don't know. Now I'm gonna I don't want to spoil it or whatever. There's this part where I'll the there, there's yeah there's two figures. There's a, a boy and a girl in it, and yeah, and it some of what you were saying, where her, it, it's they they make like they're taking a journey together but there's a part where like they kind of um have to go their separate ways but her journey kind of reminded me like it for some reason it came to my mind when you were talking about the the, the cauldron and the the all the that the feminine brings or had that the divine feminine has to go through and brings to the cauldron and creates the cauldron and all that, that knowledge and it's perfect that it's a cauldron too because like you were talking about it's a it's a vessel for containing all those mm -hmm. things like that's what the feminine is and like you carrying Fractals. your son and yeah yeah all that stuff yeah and the, yes this the, the water oh my gosh i gotta i gotta go pray some more my goodness <laughs> <laughs> now you need to go put some water in a stump yeah give it back Humbly apologize <laughs> yeah yeah just a thimble full of rainwater will do <laughs> yeah yeah, it was weird. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't even the, because I wouldn't have even, like, bothered drinking it if I was worried about, or the getting, like, a worm or something. And it was, it was only, like, a tiny bit, like, maybe, yeah, like, a few drops in my hand. But then afterwards, it was just, like, what have you done? Like, it was just, yeah. it was this weird kind of, yeah, weird, like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, like stop. You don't, don't, don't get into this. I, I can't really describe it, but, yeah. No, I, I get know. it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you kind of answered my one. I had another question too, but I think you kind of answered it in the story a little bit too, but you were talking about the hawk and the wren and you said mm -hmm. that's been very symbolic for you lately. Yeah, I have I have a little wren that that um that that um comes and eats in the morning and and you know, I can open the door and I'll be out there and the hawk is always calling like there is always a hawk nearby and you know as silly as it sounds whenever I'm driving the car the side of the road I'm on I will see a hawk just sitting on the road and you know 
-hmm. my morning drive, oftentimes I'll go get coffee before my husband's awake for him and stuff. And I'll see her on one side of the road and they'd be coming home and then she'll be on the other side of the road when I'm coming back, you know, and she might've just moved, but the fact that it happens consistently, it's a small little thing. And, you know, and if I'm having a bad day and I look up and I see that hawk, I feel like, I feel like the, the goddess in whatever form is at least with me. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and then that reminds me of that maternal feeling that I had when I needed it. And, you know, like it can, it can bring a tear to my eye because, because it, it, it reminds me that something else out there loves me. Yeah. So, you know, like whatever, whatever it is, however it's showing itself. I take it. Yeah. Yeah. It brings me peace. So, so there. Right. Yeah. That's really good. That's what, yeah, I think a lot of us. Uh, myself included it's it's hard to um uh stay aware of those synchronicities i guess you would call them synchronicities i mean you call them lots of things but they're almost like like you said uh they're like gifts or something and i liked how you used the word earlier you said revealing like it's like the hawks revealing itself but there's also something uh it's almost to me it's almost kind of uh gosh foolish isn't the right word at all i'm trying to think um it'd be I don't know, it would be almost wrong to dismiss those things. So it's like something's drawing your attention at that moment too, to actually notice yeah. the hog. Because you could I mean you could be doing a million other things or not, you know, then but the fact that right. you're there to see the hawk and there the hawk is there to reveal itself to you. Um that's really special. Well, and and that's the thing, right? When I was saying that we become concerned with the immortal things versus the mortal things. Right, because we can get so caught up in in the day-to-day struggles that why bother looking for the hawk? You know, why why scan scan the horizon and and look for what birds are flying, right? What do what do birds mean at all? You know, Um, but for me if I was told things will communicate through the animals and then I observe, I observe the animals and then for some reason I get things from it to somebody else. If I were to describe that, they would, they might look at me like it's silly. Right. And it's comfortable to talk about these things with people who can reciprocate the, the place that I'm coming from. But just anybody on the street, they're going to be like, what are you going on about? Right. That's silliness. It's silliness. But that silliness, when you start to see how many times it folds back on itself and you're like, is it really silliness now? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was about. That was the word I almost used where I was like, it would be silly to not pay attention to it. It's uh, yeah. When you start to see it fold back on yourself, it's like, it's got, it'd be more silly to not actually pay attention to this and listen to this whatever this is trying to communicate because right yeah yeah and in science we observe patterns right and mm-hmm. if patterns repeat well then there's something going on there yeah well yeah. what is synchronicities other than a pattern that you're noticing repeating itself in a weird way right yeah so you know and you could go but, outside and look for the hawk 
uh, all year long and not see a hawk. And the fact that it's showing up every day is right. Like but the fact, like, we've I've opened my front door and she's dive bombed and taken a bird right, like right as I've been opening the front door, wow. you know. And and it's hard not to be like, yeah, okay, I saw that, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know. Um, so. Yeah. Or I'll come out and I'll see that there's bird feathers all over the deck and I know she's gotten somebody and I'll take one of those feathers and I'll put it on my altar, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because even though I'm feeding the small birds, I'm inevitably feeding her as well. And, you know, um, yeah. and if, if the goddess is, is present as the wren and as the hawk, well, then I'm taking care of both aspects of her. Wow. when I'm leaving those offerings right yeah that's really cool I feel like you have a different way of of uh even seeing it and conceptualizing it than I do because my mind is still I guess and somehow sometimes I get st stuck here but I still like I feel like I'm, I'm breaking it up where I'm thinking of hawk you know hawk and wren hawk and wren, like they're divided or something and you're seeing them all as connected in a very well because if we think about it as when he got that drop of knowledge he realized he's been every animal yeah okay. right so so she could be the wren but in that moment she needs to be the hawk to take the wren right yeah but she could be any of those aspects she could be any of the animals just as you know he realized he's been all of the things and none of those things right that's what that 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 ultimate knowledge is and it's that understanding of the unknown all of a sudden right and then he because he knew those unknown things he was able to affect a physical transformation and transform into the creature that he thought of right yeah but then he was eaten and consumed and transformed yet again inside her womb who was supposed to be his foe, but ultimately in a way becomes his mother and she gives birth to his purest form. And then he inspires, you know, the Welsh nation, you know, they they have a bardic tradition to this day. Wow. You know, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, you should, cool. you should totally they have they have like um competitions yearly still. Wow, like, that's cool. It's 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 important to their to the culture and um you know and it's just another aspect of you know uh, um the differences that existed on such a small piece of land you know the welsh the irish the english they've all got similar stories but they're also very separate and very distinct traditions um which i also think is just so fascinating and then i like to look between you know what are the commonalities and the patterns that repeat between the three yeah <laughs> those must be truths yeah i suspect <laughs> same here yeah yeah that's why even even with christianity too you notice similarities like even when you were talking about all this um just everything in general i i i grew up in i think i probably mentioned this before but you know i grew up in like protestant charismatic circles and so you can see uh similarities in a lot of different areas with things like yeah. that and I, I know we mentioned this before like even with uh, 
the spinning in the yarn and making, and then you have prayer cloths and, and Christian. Well, I think too. now I've, I've really do. I see the same, the same magic and, and power in, in, you know, um, the church. I mean, what, even a baptism is, is a ritual. Yeah. It's a magical ritual. It's a Christian magical ritual. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and one would say, if you're a Christian, it's one of the most powerful ones, right? That's the one you need to have happen. Um, but if you tell a Christian that who's afraid of the word magic, because they've been taught that the word magic is evil, but the magic is present in, in the acts that they're doing, you know, um, and it's to the divine, however you want to interpret it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. We're doing the same stuff. So now I can say I'm I'm spiritual and I have an active spiritual life. And I feel like if I were to encounter a Christian who has an active spiritual life, right, that we would find more in common with each other if we actually sat down and talked uh -huh. than yeah. just knee jerk putting us into a category. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And even when Christians will say, um, God is love. Like that's how they'll describe God. And I'm like, you know, if you're, if you're praying, if a Christian is praying or praying over a cloth, asking divine love to embody that cloth. I'm like, how is that different from what you're doing? Like it's, that's the, magic. Same, yeah, but it, it's the same thing that, that you do. And, and most people do. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you're, if you're praying that you're wanting to put a curse in the cloth, well, that, that's totally different that we're not doing the same thing, but yeah, I'm like, it, it but, is still, well, it's still, it's still magic. magic. Yeah, it's, it's still magic, but you know, it's, it's what, you know, do you don't want to put negative energy <laughs> into things, right? If that's, that's not the goal, but unless it is, but, um, yeah, they gotta be worried about karma that, at that point. It's, it's that lifting the veil, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And learning to see what we couldn't see. And that's that we're, it's the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. all the same. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I don't know if Luke's coming mm -hmm. back or not. Um, okay. Maybe, maybe kid, kid things happened. I think so. I think I'm yeah. assuming his son woke up, uh, yeah. Sunny. His son Sunny, but um, yeah, but I can let you go though. If if you'd be up for it, I'd love to do this again sometime. So. Yeah, anytime. Just all right, cool. This is, this is so much me. fun. I love. Yeah, or or let's say you know, let's go. Let's see where I am six months from now or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I might, but I might no, test you sooner then than that. Before also okay. cool too. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. Cool, so. cool. Cause yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you more about this. But I had a, uh, um, one more question and before yeah. you go and I don't, you can say no, I won't be offended at all if you do. I didn't know if I could, um, uh, pray for your, your feet or whatever that you have. That's yeah, absolutely. I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't want to like, cause I know it was a, and it still is an extreme sacrifice that you like a, an offering in that way that you went through all that. So I don't want to, you know, if you feel one way or the other about it, I don't have to pray, but if you're okay with that. No, it's, it's, it's pain. It's, okay. not, right. it's not fun. I would, you know, and any, any extra, you know, uh, okay. energy in that direction. Why that's a gift. Okay. I, I wouldn't say no to a gift. Okay. Right? Yeah. And that's would... the kind of gift, right? Cause you're, 
you know, you're asking for healing. So yeah. Okay. I said, well, thank you for that. Yeah. Can I can I pray right now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. Father, we just come before you right now and I just thank you for way. I thank you that uh she's your daughter and you've created her. And I thank you for all the treasures that you put inside of her. Um uh the, the way you've held her uh in, in the palm of your hand and watched her grow and kept her all these years and been with her throughout everything she's gone through and everything you've taught her, Father, and just um Thank you for everything that she's uh, she's given back throughout her life and um, everything that she's given to her son. And um, I thank you for her heart, Lord, that uh, uh, that you've molded it and shaped it and you've designed her father and uh, imparted love through her. And I thank you for everything that, uh, that she's brought to me, uh, that it's just been a wonderful time that I've got to spend with her and the time that she's offered right here, Father. And I just thank you um, that you have made her father and you know her and I just ask that you um, heal her body uh, any pain or any infirmity that is coming against her to just leave her body right now and I just thank you for uh, your healing power to just flow through her um, to push out any any affliction that is or anything that's coming against her to cause her any pain um, and to just for total health and restoration uh, in your name I pray amen amen thank you you're welcome I you're don't welcome. I don't do that often enough. I need to do it more. So, no, I appreciate it. And I don't talk about the, you know, I, some people don't know that, like, like I, I go through chronic pain. I just don't, I just don't make it something that I, I think it's that part of me that doesn't want to burden people that, that I go through something. Not that it's wrong to share that stuff, right? Because yeah. I open and freely share other things. Um, but so thank you for hearing that, that that's something that I deal with. I yeah, appreciate you're it. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. I, I dealt with pain for uh, many years and then uh, God healed me of it. It's the only way I know how to describe it is God healed me of it because, you know, and uh, so I, I I, I know what that's like to have yeah, pain and it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah, it's yeah. not fun at all. Right. Yeah. Especially so. when you can't control when it comes and goes, it's, mm -hmm. it, it's an unpredictable beast, but yeah, well, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep praying for you too. I'll, I will. I will. I'm not just saying it. I will. I'll do it. Well, and I value it because I've appreciated that we've gotten to know each other, you know? And um, so thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're and well, tell that, Luke it was wonderful getting to talk to him because you know I, I enjoyed meeting Craig and Luke. Yeah, I will. So. I definitely will. So yeah, that I'll um yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he'll say the same. So I don't, I don't know what he means, but oh. yeah. But I can feel uh, oh. drag me in if you feel like I have anything to share to any of your other discussions. Oh, if you're yeah. if you're open up the opportunity, you'll definitely get dragged in. I'm sure. Yeah. That's what, yeah. We'd all love to pick your brain on more ideas. Um, so do you have anything before I forget, do you have anything like you want to share like about your business or anything? Like, you wanna, uh, or? I mean, I've, I've actually got some stuff possibly coming up in the works. So, um, you know, um, if any, if anybody wants to put good intention towards some growth there, um, hopefully I'll be able to create more of a community, um, coming up in a gathering place and just, create a a spot that is a physical embodiment of inspiration so 
but I can't talk cool. about it too much because it's something that's keep, that's happening. So keep um, it secret, keep but, it safe, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we don't want to we don't want to make it a reality before it's 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 uh, true. It's in, yeah, it's but, in the cauldron right now. Yeah, exactly. It it's brewing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll like I'll um link your I guess like your Instagram and things like that too so people can yeah yeah and you know like I don't I don't always have a ton of stuff on my website because I do so many shows yeah um and so I'm blessed that I have enough local and or um committed customer um repeat business that I'm not always having to populate my website but um yeah if people check out colorway.com or colorwayfiberarts.com that's my website and um but yeah buy some yarn yeah i'm just around just being me doing and just you know quietly listening and then you know if you have questions i'll just i feel free i'm i will babble so yeah well this has been great well thank you so much you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. I guess I'll, I guess I'll end it here. Well. All right. Well, and I'll I'll look forward to hearing from you again soon. Okay. Yeah. It'll be soon. All right. Have a good night. All right. Thanks night. You. Take care.